Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I don't know if I have ever talked about this before, but I am a huge fan of podcasts. I listen to a ton of them, probably between one to two hours a day. I love podcasts because I think of them as my professional and personal development time, and I'm often asked about which podcasts I listen to. So I thought I might share with you one podcast every week that I have been enjoying that you might enjoy as well. So the first one is Awesome at Your Job with host Pete Mikaitis. Pete was actually a guest on The Modern Manager on episode 40, where I interviewed him on The Power of Questions. So for you longtime listeners, you may remember that one. And I was a guest on his show, Awesome at Your Job, episode 321, where he interviewed me talking about effective meetings. I find Awesome at Your Job to be a really fun interview-style podcast, so if you've never checked it out, I suggest you give it a listen. You can find Awesome at Your Job on iTunes and anywhere else I'm sure that you listen to your podcasts. And of course, if there are shows that you love that you think I would enjoy, please send them to me. I am always looking for new shows to listen to because I just love podcasts. Now, today's guest is Millie Blackwell. Millie is the CEO and co-founder of Showcase Workshop a digital toolkit for sales representatives. But don't worry, we're not talking about sales today. Their product contains presentation slides, videos, price lists, and brochures, replacing those old-fashioned three-ring binders and printed collateral. Millie and her husband also have developed one of New Zealand's most unique retail stores, where she sews sock monkeys to keep her fingers nimble and pass time on airplanes. Millie and I talk about this brilliant team playbook that she developed for her company, which provides guidance for how the team communicates and collaborates. This is a super fun and playful conversation, as you'll hear shortly. Millie's team has a real sense of humor that they bring to how they work. If you want to see the playbook that Millie references, you will have to join the Modern Manager membership community since the playbook is part of this week's guest bonus. You can use Millie's playbook as a template for your own, so of course, I suggest you become a member like our newest member, Louis L. You can learn more by going to mamieks.com slash join. Now, here is our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Millie. I want to start by saying that you are the first person who has sent me materials with an emoji in them, and specifically a very strange, unusual emoji that you don't often see in business content. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here, Mamie. So I set up for Showcase a playbook, and um one of the first things that you strike in the playbook is the poop emoji. And that has come from a statement that we have heard from a number of customers over the years, which is that Showcase, when they're describing our software product, they will say, Showcase helps me get my poop emoji together. So we've just really made a bit of a play on that and included the poop emoji in how we talk about our mission and vision for the product. So I love this because it's really fun and eye-catching, and I'm trying to imagine what it might be like to be an employee in your organization. And we're going to talk a lot about this team handbook and the team playbook and how you have created it, how you use it, all that stuff. But before we go into all of that good stuff, 
and talk more about this lovely poop emoji. You obviously have an accent. So can you tell us where you're from, where your business is located, and where are you right now in the world? So, you know, sometimes I, because I live most of my time in California, sometimes when I am in a group, I'll remind people that I've been here on and off for so long that I really don't hear my own accent anymore. And I think I sound, I think I sound just like you, Mamie. I really don't think that I have that much of an accent anymore. So sometimes when I really get going, I like to remind people that I've forgotten about that and then they can stop me and ask what the heck I just said. But my accent, I'm originally from New Zealand and right now I'm calling you from the back of my car from in Sacramento, California. If anyone is looking in at me, it's going to look like a rather unusual situation because I'm sitting here talking to you with like a professional level microphone in my hand. It must look rather odd for anyone who's walking past, but I'm here in Sacramento today with one of our clients who is BP Oil Company and they their convenience store network uses our product. And today I'm at their dealer roadshow, which is a day that they come and talk about the business with their um, store owners and you know, innovations and things that are happening in the future. So yeah, I'm calling you from Sacramento. (laughs) Well, so fun. Thank you for carving out time, even if it means sitting in your car to do this. And I should also just acknowledge that my own bias and that you are the one with the accent where I think, you know, if I were to visit New Zealand, I would be the one with the accent. So I'm just going to call that out in my own biases and the way that I approach that question. (laughs) Well, since I am in in California, I guess that makes me the one with the accent for sure. All right, now let's get down to the serious stuff, this poop emoji. No, really. The team playbook that you have put together. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what it is and the origin of this book? Yeah, so our playbook is part of, I guess, a collection of documents that make up the company, really the company handbook. So there's the playbook, there's the policies, there's procedures, um, there's our business continuity plan. So it's part of a collection of Um, documents that exist in the business. And the playbook itself is where, I guess, all of our branding stuff comes into play. So it starts off with the mission and vision, then it tells the brand story. So the type of story that we as a team should be telling to our customers. It has some elevator pitches in there. And then it goes on to start to introduce the team. And there's an individual profile for each staff member. They're and some information about our values, so how we like to interact with each other and our customers. And yeah, and then it, f- it finishes off with a few more photos of poop emojis at the end. And the purpose of it was, I guess, primarily when I first set it up, the purpose was, I guess, efficiency is the only way that I can just describe it, which was, I remember whenever I would start at a company, I sort of had those first few weeks where I felt quite I would feel quite lost and I wouldn't necessarily be sure who to speak with about about certain things or where to go to to get help or really just even some of the basics like what what do I put as a one sentence description of this company that I work for so um, I started the book as really when I onboarded new people I wanted them to be able to quickly have all that information and also have a place to return to to find things that they needed as those first few weeks and months went by. So before we get into the different sections, because there's a lot of really good stuff in here, tell us more about the kind of how you use it with new employees. Is it something you kind of just hand over and say, first day, read this document? It's something that people return to over and over again. How have you used it and how have you seen it used? Yeah. So the document itself, 
we call this, if we were classy, we would say we were drinking our own champagne, but we tend to say we're eating our own dog food, which is probably not that good when it's also got the poop emoji in it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we house all of this information inside of our own product and our product is called Showcase Workshop. So the product itself is a content management tool. So we put all of this content inside of Showcase and then we can distribute it out to our team's phones, laptops, and tablets. So I actually end up giving this to people around about the time that they sign a contract. So almost it's almost like an onboarding tool, I suppose. And I know from our product allows us to monitor the statistics. So I know from having done this several times now that my new team members are actually accessing this, familiarizing themselves with this material before they've even started their job on their first day. So yeah, that's how we use it on a day-to-day context. I love that you can, well, one, I love that you're actually using your own product to host it. That's amazing. <laughs> but more than that, I really love that you're able to track how people are accessing it. I was just talking with another client about onboarding new people to their team. And they're like, yes, we send them like 40 pages of material on their first day. And then we kind of like have a check-in with them after a few days to see if they have questions. And I was like, Oh gosh, that sounds painful. Like you how can you expect someone to read that much content, and retain any of it and then just have one time for questions? Like, oh. So, this sounds like one, I mean, the the playfulness I think helps a lot in this material, but also just the way that it's kind of in your own app gives them more ability to kind of experience it and you can check in and see are they actually going to see. So, just love so much about what you're doing here. You know, I'd never actually, this should have been so obvious to me, but as you say that, you made me think that it also gives new people a chance to experience the product firsthand, right, before they even start. So I'm just going to add that. Thank you for identifying that extra bonus about the way we've set it up. Yeah. Oh, yay. (laughs) All right. Let's dig into this content because you've got some really good stuff in here. And because I love meetings, we're going to start with the section (laughs) on communication and There is a lovely pie chart in here about how you communicate. And if I didn't say it already, there's a a snarky, maybe um, (laughs) kind of satirical, sarcastic playfulness to this whole playbook. But in your pie chart, you have lots of big sections for things like sighing and glaring. And yet meetings is teeny tiny wedge. Is this, is this for real? <laughs> I'm going to say that it is. I think the, the, the pie chart is, um, I think the title is Ways That We Communicate With Each Other. And I think it is uh, the pain, painful truth that actually there's a lot of wedges in there that are sighing and glaring and those things are just some days that are true. But we, as a team, we're a small team, so there's a total of 12 of us all up. And the great majority of us have come from a corporate background. And I think like many people who come from a corporate background, you can really start to dislike meetings. And for me, the reason that I mostly disliked meetings in my past was that they had an unclear agenda and they never finished with outlining action items from the meeting or very infrequently did they finish with outlining action items. And so we those those two things themselves have been what we have implemented in the business whenever we do have a meeting so anytime we request a meeting it must 
the meeting request must state the agenda and at the end we have to get clear on the action items that have come out of the meeting. So while that graph does make it look quite sarcastic and like as if we never have meetings, I think we have just made a decision as a team that we will use meetings as an effective tool when we need them, but they won't be our default, which I think maybe is the experience that quite a few of us came to showcase with. Yes. And I love exactly what you just said, that meetings are a tool when you need them, but they're not the default. And that is Mm -hmm. a lesson that many teams need to figure out because meetings become the obvious go-to instead of one of many choices for how to collaborate. So to me, it's not a bad thing. As someone who loves meetings, it's not a bad thing that you don't meet that often. That actually means you're using meetings strategically rather than just as the go-to. Yeah, and our our default is a gifty on Slack. Just ah. wondering. <laughs> well, I do see animated gifts. It has a nice big section on the pie chart. <laughs> okay, but let's talk about Slack for real because in this playbook, you also have a section about how you use Slack and how you don't use Slack. Yeah, and I would say Slack is probably the primary communication tool within the business in terms of the volume that it is used, maybe Slack and email are on par. So we are, this is a term I just heard recently, which I've decided I quite liked, but we are a remote friendly team, meaning that we have a core of our, the core of the team are all based together in one office in Wellington, New Zealand. It's the development team and the customer success team. But then the sales team, including myself, we are all based remotely. So We're remote friendly rather than being fully remote. So Slack is, I guess, it is a combination of a business tool, like pure communication that we need to share with each other, but it's also a social space. And so for the three of us who are remote, we also use Slack as a social space as well. But one of the, I guess what you're referring to, one of the things that we have had to implement with Slack was that for myself especially, I have... Uh, 11 different people that need pieces of my time or time and attention from me now and then. And I found that because we did love using Slack so much or um, hip chat before it, that I was actually ending up having requests or I was having, I had, I had work that was ending up in Slack. So someone would ask me for something or request something that I needed to follow up or whatever. And I was finding that there was work left in Slack I was either forgetting about or it was taking me too long to get to it. So we just implemented a really simple, a simple rule around Slack, which is if you need somebody to do something for you or there's any kind of action that is coming out of what you're talking about in Slack, that that should then be transferred to an email and again, maybe keeping to-do items and an email is also an imperfect system, but we do have we do have systems for transferring actual work out of email and into other tracking tools, Asana and GitHub for the developers. But we just had to make a general rule about Slack because it is a fast-moving channel, and uh, it's so easy for things to get lost in there. Yeah, that's a complaint that I hear from a lot of people when they start using Slack is that there's just so much happening in there that things get lost. And when it's an action item and it gets lost, it's a big problem. So that makes perfect sense to have that kind of rule and to be clear about it, which like that choice of being explicit and getting the whole team to understand this is how we use it. Like that's what is so fantastic about what you put together here is that There's no question that Slack is the primary form of communication, but there are guidelines that everybody knows about so that everyone's using it in the same way. Thank you. You know, you have days when you feel like, that's a fantastic quote, 
something like some days you're the chicken and some days you're the egg you're making me feel like um having one of those really good days mamie so thank you (laughs) (laughs) well you're very welcome you also have something in here which i love which is a rule about email and that three emails means phone call can you can you talk about that a bit So again, we just set a basic rule that if you've gone back and forward either with a team member or with a client, more than three email exchanges, so and three being the person who started it, so the client has emailed you about the same thing three times or a colleague has shared back to you three times about one item, then that's the point that we pick up the phone and, and actually try to talk to each other. Obviously, we we sometimes just, it only takes one email to realize that we need to get on the phone. But as a as a rule, if something has gone back and forth three times, then we pick up the phone. And I guess a lot of us are just, we've gotten out of the habit of phone calls. So yeah, we just, we just implemented a rule for the business that if back and forth three times, jump on the phone. And I'm going to say 99.9% of the time, that works out to be the absolute best solution. Just get on the phone, smash it out and carry on. My husband says the same thing. He's like, if we had invented email first and then phones, people would be on the phone all the time. But because it was the opposite order, we're on email all the time. That is so interesting. I bet he's absolutely right. Yeah, it's this fascinating tool, this thing called the phone, where you can talk to someone and figure something out in about half the time or even less than the back and forth with emails. So I'm totally on board. And again, what I love is that you were explicit about this. You came up with a rule that said, this is when you use the phone and this is when email has outlived its usefulness and a different mode of communication needs to take place. So it's just the clarity with which you've articulated this I think is really powerful and thinking about applying this to other teams and managers, right? It doesn't have to be an organization-wide program, right? If you're a manager inside of a smaller organization or a bigger organization or any organization, right? You can say as a team, what are our own internal communication rules? And if we're serving internal customers with inside of a bigger organization or external customers, what are our communication kind of guidelines or rules around communicating with them, right? This is applicable to anyone. It doesn't have to just be a full company kind of playbook. Yeah, and one of the things, as I have become more familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality types and knowing which of those categories my teams fall into and knowing that some people just don't just dislike the phone, they they feel nervous about being on the phone and not knowing an answer. They like email because it gives them the chance to think about what their answer is more thoroughly. So, and to those people, I guess I have said that picking up the phone doesn't mean that you have to have the answer straight away. It's about creating a smooth transition to the answer and the person on the other end may be the opposite of you they could they find it actually really hard to read information especially when it's dense and complicated they could be finding it really hard to read and interpret it on the other end you should have a lot of confidence in what you already know and what you're about to tell them about and so there just has to be that little bit of push pull even for people who have that preference for email because they feel that they can be they can be clearer and have more clarity. I think I just have to remember that some, sometimes a person on the other end is, is happy to listen to you work through the solution, even if it's not perfect in voice. And so I think that's also something to add into the mix about phone calls. Absolutely. And that comes into play in so many aspects of work. I love Myers-Briggs as a model for preferences. And we see this all the time in teams where people have to interact and they just have different preferences about how to communicate, what information is most important, kind of work style, I mean, all of those things. So 
having guidelines and rules helps people balance their own preference with what is best for the team. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's talk about another section, which is the chart with everybody's responsibilities, which the reason I want to talk about this is because most of the time when you see this kind of org chart, you see it with boxes with people's titles and their names. And what you've done is a little different. You have boxes with responsibilities and then people are input into sometimes multiple boxes. Yeah. So how I've split it up is that I have what I would consider to be the four main sections of running our business. So at the top of the organization chart is my advisory board. And then there's me as the CEO. So that's kind of a traditional look at the very top. And then below that, I have the four sections of running the business. So the sales, marketing, operations, and in our case, product. And if when you're looking at this, you'll see that I feature as a CEO. I also feature as enterprise salesperson. And in the latest version, I also feature as the person in the marketing column who's responsible for campaign development. And then um, one of the members of my team, Rihanna, she features in the marketing team as the social media manager. And she also features in the operations column as the customer success manager. And the reason that I set it up like this is that I wanted the org chart to be more than just a list of people in the team and their job titles, because in a small team, I think anyone who's worked in a small team, and even when you've worked in a big team, you know that your job title doesn't necessarily tell you everything that you do in the business. And so again, back to the efficiency piece for new staff, I wanted them to be able to see clearly who does what in the business, not just what their job titles are. And over the long term, I mean, I read a lot of sort of stories about management and leadership, and I'm sure most of the people listening do that too. And I've heard it described as all the parts of the business that you will eventually fire yourself from and hire somebody else into. So in the very earliest days of Showcase, when it was just myself and our CTO, it was just me and him, and we filled up all the spots. And over time, we have taken our names out of these spots and replaced them with other people. We've added in new jobs as well. And where my name remains, you know, I don't always want, in fact, my next hire is going to be somebody to do campaign development. So I don't always want to be in that role. And as the business grows, Rihanna won't be in two spots. She'll end up just in one. But for now, it's an overview of who's doing all of the tasks in the business rather than just uh, an overview of job titles. I'm imagining transferring this to a team. And there's one team that I work with that's pretty large. It has about maybe 14 people on it. And they're inside of a much larger organization. And there's a lot of overlap in their responsibilities, some things that they're highly specialized on and some things that overlap. And I'm imagining how useful this would be for them to produce a chart like this where it has all of the different kind of responsibilities or expertise areas that the entirety of the group makes up and then plopping in their different names into those different bubbles so that one internally, it's super clear who has what skill. And if somebody's out, who do you go to who has the duplicative or kind of the reinforcing skill, even if they don't necessarily do that work all the time, but just kind of who is capable of which things. And then for the whole organization to be able to have access to that, to see, oh, if we need something from this department, who is the right person to go to? I just, I'm imagining how powerful this can be as a clarifying tool, both internally and externally. Yeah. And I imagine it would be really awesome internally in a larger company 
even as much as it is for a smaller team that, I mean, it gets even harder to know who to go to. So I think that could be really great. And, and I think the other side can be really illuminating to see who some people just, without realizing it, have become spread really thin. And that was true for Nikki and my team. She was ended, she'd ended up in three columns and that's just spread too thin for one person. So it will also be a really illuminating task for you to try for that reason as well. Oh, yes. To see kind of, who, yeah, who is doing too much. And I'm thinking about another team that I was working with that was a merger of two teams when they did a, a reorg in their organization. And suddenly they had a bunch of people who were basically butting heads because they had both owned similar kinds of work and it was super unclear who was actually responsible for it going forward with this team coming together and working Mm. through that and figuring out what are the responsibilities of this kind of newly formed, newly combined team. I'm imagining a chart like this would have been super helpful. I wish I would have thought about that back then. (laughs) In fact, it would be just like, I couldn't think of a more perfect exercise to even do for a merger to sit down as a group and try to do this together and and that would eliminate a lot of those questions and a lot of that confusion that might remain with a merger. So I think that would be awesome. Yeah, we did an activity, but we didn't have the product at the end of being this this lovely, really useful chart. So that's what I feel like is the next step that maybe I'll go back to them and see if I can put that together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we are coming to a close, as you know, the show is called The Modern Manager and is all about being a rock star manager with a thriving team. So can you tell us about one of the amazing managers that you had the pleasure of working with or for and what made him or her so great? Yeah, so I knew from being a listener of your podcast, I knew this would be a question coming up today. So I had time to think about it. And I guess I've had a relatively non-traditional career in that I've never really had a manager. I have worked for small business owners, but I've never worked in a business large enough to have a manager above of me. But I'm a huge fan of the Mark Cuban quote, treat your customers like they own you because they do. And therefore, I guess I could say that some of my customers are like managers to me. And because um, my company works with a lot of large enterprises, I, while they aren't my managers, I certainly get to observe a lot of good managers and possibly some bad ones, but that's a different story. But I definitely get to observe a lot of good managers. And one of my clients, her name is Louisa Salazar, and I have observed her several times over the years in a management capacity. And when I think about managers, good managers and inspiring managers, she always comes to my mind. So I thought that I would just talk about her really quickly. And I guess what I admire about her is that I always observe her as very measured and objective. And I always observe that she focuses, when there's friction, she focuses on the facts and not the feelings. And for me, those are just the perfect traits in a manager. And then I guess when we think about what we like in a manager or we think about what we like in other people, it's quite easy to think about ourselves and we look at qualities that we, I guess, are envious of to some degree or wish that we had more of. And something that I just really admire about Louisa is that I have this tendency to always want everybody to love me and just be my best friend, whereas she manages to lead and be a manager by, I'm sure she cares deep down whether people like her or not, but she always exhibits the trait of not needing people to love her, really being focused on getting the best job done possible. So that's something I just have so much admiration for, both her 
and her boss, Donna Sanka, both have totally have that down and I really look up to to them for that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I, lo- <laughs> I love the way that you, you took my question and expanded it and, and shared something beautiful. So thank you. All right. Where can people keep up with you and learn more about Showcase? Uh, so showcaseworkshop.com. And on that webpage, there's a little short introduction to Showcase. You can grab a free trial and you can have a look at what other customers do with the product. Fantastic. I will include links in the show notes as usual. And I'll stick a link for the playbook in there as well and make sure everybody gets access to that. So thank you so much. This was super fun as always. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Mamie. If you want to see that team playbook that Millie has been referencing, become a member of the Modern Manager community. And when you do, you also get access to all of the previous guest bonuses and you get your name in the drawing for one of five copies of the book, The Boomerang Effect. Learn more about membership levels at mamieks.com join. All the links are in the show notes. And of course, they are in your inbox if you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do so at mamieks.com podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.